You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone, it's time for another episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm joined by Brandon Fitzpatrick. You may know him from Twitter as Fitz. And today we're going to discuss the unfortunate recent struggles of the Rangers, as well as our thoughts on potential moves the Rangers might need to make at the trade deadline. Thanks for joining me. How's it going? Oh, I'm going, I'm doing well, man. Thank you a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm glad you, you hopped on. Um, anyways, uh, if you've been keeping up with Rangers hockey, Rangers just came off of like one of the hottest streaks they've been on. It was like a month straight of just constant winning maybe maybe it was because it was against non-playoff teams but you know that's besides the point they were winning everything was good and then all of a sudden just like that everything just flip-flops so we've lost three of our past four games twice to Colorado once to Nashville and then a not so good performance against Buffalo so that's cause for concern Uh, recording this on Wednesday so we're about to play Arizona and the Rangers I am hoping they make a bounce back performance statement game but what do you think of uh what do you think of the recent struggles so far yeah I mean you know it's kind of they're kind of looking like they did early in the season right where they're really struggling at even strength to score goals um the offense has kind of just fallen off a cliff over the past four games or so like the the power play has essentially in their wins carried them two wins like I know the Buffalo game you know Lafreniere scored the, the game winner essentially but you know, the power play has really been the only way they've, you know, generated offense. Um, You know, I guess it's kind of concerning that the line combinations aren't really clicking as much as we hoped. Um, I think it's safe to say the Dryden Hunt uh, top six experiment has kind of run its course. Um, You know, I'm still kind of upset that they moved Kako off that line in the first place. I thought they were really clicking. So, you know, to me, it's, it's more just highlighting that they, they desperately need another forward like these past four or five games or so Um, specifically one to play with Mika and Kreider because, you know, Kako hasn't really worked out on there. Barkley Goodrow didn't really work out on there. Sammy Blay. I mean, Goche, you could take your pick of of the guys they've kind of, you know, tried out on that right wing with them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, Colorado's a good team. It's concerning that they've kind of lost to some better teams lately. Um, I mean, again, the Avalanche are just one of the best teams in the league. So there's really no shame in in losing to them, especially the first game around when they were playing Huska. You know, that was kind of one of those, what, what are you going to do about it type games? But last night, I mean, you know, they just, they, they just didn't start really going until like five, six minutes left in the game. Um, and then once Goche, you know, cut it to 3-2, they were on fire. So, you know, I guess it's kind of twofold them trying to figure out, one, who's going to play with Mika and Kreider, and then two, how do you keep up that intensity and, you know, offensive push essentially for more than just the five minutes you absolutely need to, you know? Okay, so you feel like pretty much the same way as I do. I was going to ask you if you feel like uh, they should change up the lines. I was going to suggest maybe moving Hunt down, Kako back with Strom and Panarin, and then maybe Goche with Mika and Kreider. But, I mean, I guess it seems like you agree. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think they definitely, you know, to me, the number one priority right now is they got to 
find a way to get like a playmaker on the Kreider and Miko line, right? Like right. Th- both of those guys, their best skills are, are, you know, amplified by a guy who can get them the puck in the spots they need it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I Kako has made great strides this year. He looks fantastic to me, but I don't consider him a playmaker. You know, he's not someone who's setting up others. Um and like, you know, not to harp on it, but that's why the Buchnevich trade, you know, a lot of people at the time were very skeptical because you basically just let go of a major piece without really having a plan to replace it, right? Like, so the hope was Kako and Lafreniere, Kravtsov, one of those three essentially takes that spot, right? Lafreniere, they did it for, what, two games maybe and then decided to go away with it. Um you know, if it, to, to me, I would love to see him get another, you know, another chance up there just because, like, at this point, you got to try something, right? Like, like to me, I would put – I would put Kako back with Panarin and Strom. Yeah. I'd give Lafreniere the chance at least to see how he looks for a game or two with Kreider and Mika again. You know, Hunt, to me, would probably be fine if you put him with Heedle and Goche. Um I think yeah, that, would be, that would be a good line or even throw Goudreau on there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like just, just to try, you know, like I, I like that Gallant doesn't Gallant, Gallant, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah, that. that he doesn't, thing. I, I like that. He doesn't, you know, panic and change lines all the time. Like David Quinn used to, but he at the same a little bit in that against the national, the predators game. Yeah. But I mean, that was like, I mean, we were so, life was so dry like that game we we had nothing going for us so he had to do something yeah yeah exactly like even admitted after the game that that we were soft exactly yeah exactly so like you know when you see it happen for more than a couple games in a row i'm all in favor of mixing things up you know trying some new stuff because Mm -hmm. what what's happening right now clearly isn't working right so you got to try something else um you know, I know there's a lot of theories out there. Um, you know, the guy on Twitter, Adam, et cetera, he, he always says that he thinks Stroll and Panarin just, they don't think Kako fits with what they want from a, a right winger, right? Like, so we've seen over the course of these two guys' tenure, they love the Jesper Foss types or the Colin Blackwell types to basically just like to do the dirty work they don't want to, um, which like I respect. The, the, I mean, listen, if Panarin tells you he wants to play with someone, you do it. He's Artem Panarin. He's your best player. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like they need to realize that in order for this team to get to where it wants to be, you know, Capo Caco is a huge piece. So like he, he was working with you and Strom. So I want to see that more than anything, I just want to see them back together. You know, and, that's and- interesting because they were playing well, the, the yeah. entire, like the entire team was playing well and those three players were all playing well together. So I don't know why they'd be so against, you know, moving Kako off that or uh, for moving Kako off that line or not having him on there, you know, like that. I don't know. That That's weird to me. I, I think, I think Kako looks a lot. He looks a lot better on that line. I mean, uh, uh, Rangers Nico, we, we joke that, uh, <laughs> Kako is the cocaine to the bread and the butter. Uh, <laughs> That's great. I, love yeah. I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I asked, like, okay, so if Panarin's bread and Strom's butter, then what's Kako? And then he said cocaine. I was like, oh, my God. Unbelievable. Whatever. We're just going <laughs> to roll with it then. So here we are. 
those are the that's the three that's the combination and honestly i think that was like our best line so far this year oh by far yeah kako played like incredibly i've never seen him play hockey like that before yeah i never watched him i didn't watch enough of him in like when he was in 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 the juniors in the like the world junior championships or um when he was in finland i didn't watch any of those games like i've only seen highlights of him and like all the goal scoring that he did but i haven't seen him like make actual hockey plays and stuff like that yeah he was on that line for sure like 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 i i i'm with you like i only started watching you know i watched like a couple full like those shift by shift type videos that they had from like finland and you know you get like a decent sense of like how a guy is but obviously you don't you know until you're watching a day in and day out it's much different and i agree with you like i have the way he was playing when he was on that line i mean he looked like a combination of rick nash and and Mark Stone, basically, like mm-hmm. he, he was, he was unbelievable. So I love hearing that comparison. To it's Mark great, Stone. right? Yeah. I, 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 jet, when I was looking before, you know, when I used to be writing uh, about the team, like I, I compared him, Kako, to like that, like a hybrid Mark Stone, and like the way Rick Nash was essentially at the end of the Rangers tenure. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. 55, 60 points, rock solid two way player you know, you never know, you, you, you always know what you're going to get from him essentially. Right. So, you know, I just think those two, you know, chemistry isn't something that just happens like that. You know what I right. mean? Like you got to build it. And sometimes it, it does happen right away. Like Panarin and Strom, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at like how Mika and Kreider have basically been together for like four or five years at this point, they know each other to a T, you know? So like, Stroman Panarin with Kako, it's going to take a few games to figure it out. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think he's looked the best he has as a Ranger and as a pro since he was put on that line. So I, I seriously, I still don't understand why they broke it up. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I mean, I think they might have viewed it as Kako getting a promotion to the top line, but right. I don't think Mika Kreider is. Uh, I don't think that. Even though like Gallant uses them, uses those two lines, Panarin Strom and Mika Kreider, like one and two, right? Like an equal amount of ice time. I think Panarin Strom's line one because it just has Panarin on it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I agree. So I think I think he should have just stuck Kako there. If you wanted to give him a promotion, give him some power play time. Put him yeah. on the put him on the put him in Strom spot. Yeah, exactly. Like if you want, if you want to get him some more time and like give him a promotion, that's the easiest path. Right. Like, yeah. And then the other guy that I I've been like, I feel like I've been like his biggest supporter, like Gauthier is just like, he's been playing really well. Like he's got no fear that kid, like he is a hard skater. And I love how every time he has the puck, he always tries to make a move on the defender. Like he always tries to use the outside, use his size to get cut to the middle. And uh, I like, how he screens a goalie like last night at the end of the game how he was screening the goalie he got that goal he tried to set up Kreider for the tying goal which unfortunately didn't go in but like that style of play where you have a guy in front of the net it works just as long as you know you take the shots from the point you get the shots through the 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 screen or the traffic in front I think it complements the team really well but I don't know uh what do you think about Gauthier 
he, he's impressed. He's been pretty impressive to me. I mean, like I've, you know, spots here and there where you would see the flashes over the past couple of years, but right. you know, that, that like four or five game run after they got put together that like kid line. I mean, he was incredible. He looked incredible mm-hmm. passing, you know, he wasn't, he, he, he wasn't like, you could tell he wasn't trying as hard to make like an impression. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was the big thing with him with David Quinn was like, he knew he was 13, 12 forward. You know what I mean? So like every time he stepped on the ice, he's like, okay, I have to go show them why I need to be in the lineup still. And you know, that kind of, you know, throws you out of whack sometimes makes you do more than you're makes you try to do too much essentially. And like, I think that's why he used to take so many offensive zone penalties. Yeah, like, he, would, he would draw a lot of penalties, but he would take a lot of penalties. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was just, you know, he was, he was going crazy every time he got on the ice because he's like, okay, this is my chance. Like I need to show, I need to stay in the lineup. And I think yeah. the whole thing with Blay getting hurt and him, basically having them having no choice, but to make him a regular, right. I think it honestly like relaxed him more and he's just like, all right, I'm just going to go do what I, I know how to do essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been impressed with him. I mean, you know, everyone has shown flashes this year, right. Especially the young guys, which is encouraging. The next step obviously is like, you got to show the consistency, right. So like the right. past five games, you know, the heat of Lafreniere, Goche line has still been yeah. generating chances, but they can't finish to save their life. Yeah, I, I'd say like Lafreniere to me has been, I don't know, pretty unnoticeable. Yeah, last night was that's tough controversial. for him. Yeah, a la- tough game last night. I mean, that, the he had a nice play like at the end when he blocked the empty net. And then I saw he had a nice like takeaway. He basically just completely caught the defender sleeping, like asleep at the wheel. And he just stole the puck off of him just like, really easily but then other than that i haven't seen much from him over the past i don't know five games yeah aside from the goal against buffalo it's i never i never want to like sound the alarms on on young players especially like you know kako and lafreniere specifically have had such a weird tenure in the nhl so far right like last season kako's first season everything gets shut down in march Mm -hmm. you're off for four months and then the bubble right last season lafreniere's first season COVID shortened season, basically no training camp. You're only playing seven teams. Um, you know, you have a coach who, who, let's be honest, was just overwhelmed by being in the NHL. Um, so, like, I've I heard I, that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 he wasn't he wasn't fit to be the Rangers coach. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I, I always, you know, I want to start it off with that. He's, he only just played his 82nd game, right? Um, but it's still, you know. You look for the, like I said before, you look for the flashes, right, with everyone. And they just really haven't been there. You know, like even the goals he scores, a couple of them have been pretty nice. You know, the one at the end of last season, I think that got us all excited was like that sick backhander he had against the Bruins. Um, oh, Lafreniere's. Yeah. 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 Yep. And everyone was like, okay, so like this kid's on a good, on a good run. Yeah. And he was on the, he was with Mika and Kreider. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So like I, un, I, completely understand the whole, you know, off offhand wing thing, you know, like some guys just can't do it. Right. Like, you know, a couple of guys I played with way, way back in the day, if you asked if they were a righty and you asked them to play left wing, they just couldn't do it. Like, I don't know the angles, the way you have it's, to receive the puck. It's really bad for defensemen. It's hard yeah. to do that. Like if you're trying to hold the puck in and you're trying to make a pass up along the boards, 
like without using the boards, like when you're in the offensive zone, it's really, really difficult. It looks when, uh, when, when like Truba and Miller switch sides, sometimes I see it like with Truba, like it looks awkward. He looks uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a real thing. And I, you know, I think I never, I, I hate being like one of these, like, you know, play the game people, but, but like, that's one of those intricacies of like being around and playing the sport where, where, you know, you could just say, yeah, just put them on the right wing. Like who cares? But some guys, they just, they just can't do it. Like I, I, you know, I played left wing when I was older, like my last couple of years playing competitive hockey, just cause like, that's what we needed. And I was okay with it. Like it didn't affect me as much, but like a friend of mine tried to play left wing who was a right-handed shot. And he was just, he could, he just couldn't like, you could tell, like you said with Truba, it just looks awkward. You know, mm-hmm. you could tell it's not natural. Um, so like, I get that Lafreniere and Kreider haven't been comfortable uh, on the right wing, but at some point you got to just be like, all right, like, you got to figure it out if this is the best line we could put together to help us win. Right. Like you work mm-hmm. on it and practice, like you got to figure something, but to kind of wrap it up with Lafreniere, like what you were asking, I am a little concerned. I, I like, I get that he doesn't get any power play time, basically none. Uh, like that second unit, it's basically the same shit as last it feels year. It's like right? he's not even out there. Like for, for the game, I feel like I barely see him or notice yeah. him. I don't hear his name called at all. Like on, like on the broadcast, I don't see him with the puck as much. That's the concerning part to me. That's the extreme. He, he, he rarely has the puck on his stick. And that's, you know, if you're the number one pick in the draft, like that's supposed to be your calling card, right? You're supposed to be a dynamic offensive player. And that just, we just haven't seen it yet, which is again, worrisome, but you know, I'm hoping they start. Like, like you said, like, you know, the only person you can take off the first power play unit is Strom for a left-handed shot. Mm-hmm. And if, if it was me, I would put Kako up there before Lafreniere. I, uh, I agree. So, I agree. you know, it's like, where's that extra ice time going to come from? That's the only reason I kind of want to see him get another, you know, crack at the, the top line spot, you know, 1A, 1B spot with, with Kreider and Mika. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's really frustrating because I, I I'm giving Lafreniere, if I'm like the coach of the Rangers, he gets all the time that he needs to mm-hmm. develop. Like, he's a first overall pick. You ride it out until he, he's like dead in the water. So I'm hoping, you know, at some point he's going to figure it out. He's going to put something together, you know, go on a hot streak. But, you know, of course we want the consistency. That's the big thing this year. This was the, this is like my key going into this season. Like I want a consistent team. Like, okay, so we just went on, we, we just went on an incredible tear for like a month. And now we're starting to lose some games. Now is the time where you want to start like bouncing back with victories instead of going on like a, a long losing streak to counteract all the winning that we just did. Right. So we're four and eight against playoff teams this year, and Oof. we're about to have a really, really tough schedule after the Christmas break. I believe we play Vegas. We play uh, the Oilers after after Christmas. Uh, there's a bunch of teams here. Uh, we play the Panthers and the Lightning Oof. on uh, the 29th and the 31st of December. Then in the new year, it's the Lightning, the Oilers, the Golden Knights. Oh, Jesus. That's Christ. all in a row. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't realize it was that bad. Oh yeah, my God. it's all in a row. All right. So the Rangers are going to have their work cut out for them. So they have to figure out something. And whether that's mixing up the lines or you know, maybe going after somebody on the, on the trade block, uh, 
that might be a good idea. So that's what I want to transition to next. Like, so for the trade deadline, I've seen a lot of people talk about Forsberg, Phil Kessel, Claude Giroux. What do you think about any of those guys? Yeah. So I I've seen, you know, same names obviously floated around there. You know, I personally think Claude Giroux would be fantastic. Um, but I, I just can't see the Flyers trading him to the Rangers. Um, That's the problem. Yeah, and like the, Kessel, I don't think personally is like the, a great fit because like like I was kind of saying before, I think the biggest need is, you know, unless they're going to give Lafreniere the chance on that top line and, you know, unless he runs away with it, um, they, need, they need someone who can get the puck to Mika and Kreider so they can, you know, amplify their best strengths, like Mika's mm-hmm. shot and Kreider's freak of nature physical talents essentially um you know that's why booch worked so well with them he knew how to get those two the puck so you know i think forsberg would kind of be along those lines the only problem there is you know nashville's hanging around a playoff spot so mm-hmm. you know i know david poyle he's gonna want to go for the playoffs if he can right so unless they go on like a month and a half downswing here i don't think they're gonna trade forsberg Giroux would be, I mean, Giroux would be perfect. Like, I really think he's, you know, offensive minded. He can shoot. He can score. I mean, he can pass. He's, he's good at face offs. Good too, at face offs. Really like, important because we suck at face offs. Except they, they did win the two last night at the end of the game uh, in the offensive zone. Shockingly, yeah. I was not expecting that. Um, but yeah, like you know, it, I guess it, it. The hope is that maybe in a month or two from now, I guess the kind of hierarchy of the league sets in a little more right so there's like more teams fully out of playoff contention Mm -hmm. as opposed to like right now where it's just like outside of four teams or so everyone's just jumbled up together everything's close right now yeah i agree yeah so but you know like at the same time time. what do you maybe maybe like mike hoffman or someone like i i don't know it's like a that's interesting mike hoffman you know, I mean, the Canadians are going to be selling maybe someone from them, but the problem, the, then the other, you know, part you got to take into is the, the cap repercussions of it. Right. Cause like, you know, they gave Adam Fox and, and Mika the money, which well earned both of them. You're not going to see any, course. you know, qualms from me about it, but you know, things get tight starting next season. And, you know, so unless you're getting, if you want to go for a straight rental, deals. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you want to go for a straight rental and give up some some prospects, picks, whatever, I'm fine with that as long as it's one year deal, right? Um, but if you're looking for someone who has you know a couple of years left on their deal, that's going to be really really tough to pull off because you know what money you send out to bring the money in, right? So like basically basically outside of the kids, everyone's locked into contracts right now except for Strom. Um, yeah. So it's like, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's a, it's a delicate balance, right? Like, what do you prioritize? And I guess it, again, it's the next month, I don't, I don't foresee Chris Drury, like jumping the gun. You know what I mean? On a trade, unless it's like an offer he can't refuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, do I think they need someone? Yes. Do I think that there's like great options out there? Maybe one or two, but it's like, it's a They're really a little unrealistic. Balance. Like, yeah. Drew's unrealistic because he plays for the Flyers and uh, yeah, anyone on anyone on a Metro team, the Rangers aren't going to get. I am like, 
I don't even know how to, how to describe it. Like I'm hesitant. Yeah. Hesitant to trade the, the flyers. Anyone from oh, yeah. our minor league system, Kravtsov, Robertson, Braden Schneider, any of those guys. Like, I mean, you're going to have to trade one of those guys for Drew, even if it's just for one year. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's it's a, it, it really it really just it would makes, be very uh, difficult to ju- do it just with draft picks. Yeah, very difficult. Yeah, and it's it's re- it really just it makes the whole Kraft Kraft situation just you know, fr- I guess more frustrating. I guess to the point where like they they just they just don't have another right winger on the roster right now. It's it's honestly incredible. Like it's. Yeah, that that was like a, a two sided botch of the, the everyone everyone like, looked bad from that. No one came out looking good. Krasov yeah, looked bad, was, and Drury no. didn't look great either. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what they should have done with with Kravtsov. Maybe they should have just let him play in the KHL until like he was complete. Like they found that he was completely ready to come over to the NHL. Like instead of having him go back and forth, back and forth yeah. all the time, because like he looks happy, he plays so well in the KHL. But when he comes over, if he comes over at the end of this year when the KHL season is done, this is it. This is yeah. his last chance. Yeah, this, this is the this last is dance for real. Like for, <laughs> for real, yeah, hundred percent. Like this is you know that makes them bringing him over last. last I'll never forget it. Like the David Quinn quote when they were talking about bringing Kravtsov back last season, he was like, "Yeah, we're not bringing him over to to play on the fourth line and plays the fourth line minutes. Three games in, he was on the fourth line for the rest of the season. It's like, what are we doing, man? Yeah, like, that was just frustrating because because personally, when I saw him play at the end of you know the games that he was in lineup at the end. Of, I thought he was impressive. Like I, I, I did too. I thought he, you know, I, I, I was like this, you know, I remember looking at his like KHL, you know, goal chart and like all his goals were hash marks down, which is like, that's how you score in the NHL. You get to the net, right? Like he knows how to, how to get there. And, you know, I, I just, I'm, it's very sad. It's very, I had high hopes for him. He also knows how to set up plays too. Yeah. And- I liked I liked that a lot about him. Like he always had the puck. He was always doing something, and uh, I guess he could, he's a play driver, uh, yeah, playmaker. Um, and you know it's it sucks that he's not on the team, but I mean, he's playing well in the KHL. But uh, man, Drury, we need him now. I know <laughs> we that's need the, him like right now. That's the worst part about it all is that like. Like he literally is so needed right now. Like he, he, even if you don't think he's good or, or like an entitled kid or a brat, whatever, they could use him. Like they, they desperately could use him, which mm-hmm. makes the whole ordeal of sending like, so, I don't know. One day we're going to find out more or probably not. Cause we never find out shit with hockey, but. Oh yeah. For, for real. We're not. We're, we're, I wish we could find out what really happened. Like, cause you have the stories of, of Drury basically like singling him out when he was the GM of Hartford a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, during in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's, it, you know, clearly Drury 
either had it out for him or was just being a dick, right? Like, and then the flip side is Kravtsov also, you know, I'm I'm really sounding old here, but like the whole nothing is given, everything's earned type shit. Like he clearly didn't get that. Um, he thought he should be playing more and they didn't. And here we are now, but it's just, it's a really frustrating thing because he, he would, like you said, he would be the piece to put with Mika and Kreider, you mm-hmm. know, a playmaker, a guy who can, can get them the puck. So it's, it's really frustrating that it all went down like it did. Forwards problems aside, I think there's um, a pretty, pretty big hole on defense and um, it's located on the third pair. (laughs) And the guy may or may not be an older Swedish defenseman (laughs) with the last name similar to um, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Patrick Nemeth. Yeah, him. He's like. A black hole. He's terrible defensively. Oh God, he's so bad. I was like, I went on a rant last week on here about uh, how I didn't like him and how he was just, it was just a terrible contract. It's going to be impossible to move now. And we're stuck with him unless we decide to send him down to bury him in the minors, which I feel like the Rangers are too stubborn to even do that and try and call up Zach Jones, who's playing out of his mind in the AHL this year. But I think, I wouldn't mind them trading for a rental defenseman. Honestly, I, I really, I really wouldn't. They, they should have solved this problem in the off season, but I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like Jared Tenorti is not, you know, uh, like what is the point of Jared? Tenorti, That's the right? one guy you could definitively say the Rangers signed to fight Tom to Wilson. fight Tom Wilson. Yeah. Legitimately Reeves. Legitimately. We needed, we needed that kind of player. Like he's an important player. Like I, I like, I like him on the fourth line. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. No, no, no complaints from me about what Ryan Reeves has done this year. Yeah. Tenorti on the other hand has been pretty irrelevant. Like yeah, he's useless. He's, he's, yes. He's literally useless. Like he's on a conditioning stint right now. Cause they don't want to play him. Um, I would much rather have Hayek playing over Tenorti and, uh, Nemeth. What's it Nemeth. Honestly, like, I know we, we all, like, joke about Hayek being terrible. He's not good. He's not <laughs> what he's supposed to be. What, what they advertised him as when we traded McDonough for him, when he was included in, as part of that deal, which the Rangers can't seem to rip the Band-Aid off that and admit that they lost the trade. It's crazy he's still on the team. It really is. Yeah, like, I mean, there's nothing you could do about that trade. Night and day, they completely lost that trade. McDonough was a great player. They had to move on from him, but the return they got, it wasn't good enough. And that's it. That's that's all you could say. That's yeah. all you could say. Hayek didn't pan out. Howden didn't pan out. Nemestikov didn't pan out. We hope Nils Lundqvist could still pan out. I mean, this is his first year in the league, so we'll have to see. But it's just been atrocious from anyone that's been playing in the bottom pair, aside from Nils Lundqvist. Yeah, I, I'm... I, I, it's very frustrating to see like, and you know, last night is a perfect example. You have Patrick Nemeth on the ice at the same time as Nathan McKinnon. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> I know. I know. It's when I saw that, that pairing out against them, I was like, this is just not going to end well. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't mind them going after another, you know, third pairing defense, but like they, if you're not going to call up Zach Jones and just let him and Lundqvist spin together, then you need to get someone else because, all three of the other options are below average. Like none of them are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, 
it's it's another one like to to me i'm i'm really struggling to find like one positive move chris drury has made so far like everything he's done has not worked out well so like goodrow is fine contract extensions were pretty good extensions were good yeah the fox and mika extensions i'll give you it but like lingering one was great the lingering one i'll I'll give him that i'll I'll say i'll put it like i guess his acquisitions outside of reeves to me have like left a lot to be desired right like yeah like sammy blay was a solid bottom six player before he got hurt nemeth has been horrible tenorti is unplayable um goudreau he should be a fourth line player they gave him just preposterous amount of years um and and then they, they you know the whole thing of why they traded bushnevich right was they wanted the money flex the cap flexibility essentially right but mm-hmm. they have all this cap space right now for this season and this season alone and they didn't use it to like really upgrade the top six or add another forward or add another defenseman so i'm just like i'm very confused could, as to what the deadline there. but i mean yeah but it's like even all that cap there. just to make a move at the deadline it kind of doesn't make any sense right like the deadline the deadline is six weeks before the season ends you know so like you got to be good going into the deadline in order to become a buyer you know what i mean right. so it's, you know there's, I, there's question marks on the on the team like with Heedle. i'm just, yeah yeah i'm not even sure what they're gonna do with him like i feel like they could possibly move on from him and you know try and maybe hang on to Strom and then find like another guy to replace. Maybe Morgan Barron comes up and replaces him. I don't know. Yeah, I know there's, there's a lot of questions and, and we, we just don't have the answers to them right now. Like hope if, if they, if they lose tonight to the coyotes, that is like, maybe it's time to sound some alarms a little bit. Cause the coyotes are terrible. They are, they are like a borderline AHL team. Um, yeah, yeah. Like you can't if if they lose to him. I I think Kincaid is starting, but if they, if they lose this game, like that's a and they look like shit at five on five again. That's that's a serious like red flag. That's been the big problem over the past two games. It's been really frustrating. They cannot generate any offense whatsoever. They can't get the puck. They can't maintain possession unless Panarin or Fox is on the ice. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the only time they're generating shit. I mean, it's it's exciting when they have the puck, but I want to see the rest of the team doing that. I want to see all the lines doing that from one through four. And that's what, that's what was going on during the winning streak. But once you play stiffer hockey teams, like teams that are going to push back up against you, you know, obviously it's going to get a lot more difficult, a lot more challenging. And uh, I, I think the abs and the Preds are perfect examples of that pushback that uh the resistance for to our uh so-called dynamic offense that hasn't been so dynamic at yeah. 5v5 for real for real the 5v5 stuff's a big problem big problem and then uh the last thing that i wanted to talk about uh you and i share a common uh thing uh we we both like the wire right i just finished oh, yeah. watching the wire a couple weeks ago oh my god uh, amazing show i didn't want it to end i was upset when it ended but man, what a great show. Yeah, it's it's the best, man. Like season five was was like disappointing compared to the rest, and it was still good. Yeah, um, yeah it was it wasn't it definitely didn't have the same vibe to it, but I still liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I I that show 
to me is is the best show ever i think it's you know the writing's unbelievable the acting's fantastic it's it's borderline a, a documentary because like all of the stuff that kind of happens in the first couple seasons in terms of like you know how the police do things and how you know the street works that's all from you know the the creator david simon um mm-hmm. and ed burns like they work together in the homicide unit in baltimore so like these are all drawn from real yeah. life events they're adapt- they're like a, the show's like adapted from david simon's book i think right yeah homicide life on the street which is also a tv show i think that was that was made before the wire it was like the wire before the wire pretty much um but yeah like those guys i mean the show i have you ever been to baltimore before i've been to maryland but okay probably not baltimore okay so my freshman year of college i went to towson university in baltimore so like you know i kind of have a somewhat of a sense for like the area um and i didn't even watch till like after i had transferred to syracuse but um like it's it's so real like the actors are all baltimore native like most of them are baltimore natives you know like Mm -hmm. it's just it's just great i mean the third and fourth season are are just are are, in my opinion the two best seasons of tv i've i've ever watched like Mm -hmm. season four gets all the love because of just the way it weaves the kids into the you know systemic failures of, Mm -hmm. of the city but season three to me is great because i love but bunny colvin i think is my favorite character on the show amsterdam amsterdam man like that <laughs> to me is like like that just whole season with the amsterdam stuff is is fascinating to me it's and just to see the way the politicians react to it the way the you know it's it's just it's amazing omar was my favorite character man yeah, yeah it Rest sucks michael man. k williams it's so sad he's he's one of like those actors that everything he's in is great Everything I've ever seen Michael K. Now, Williams is, is great. Now I'm going to go back and watch, watch like movies that he was in. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the night of is a great series he's in. Um, it's another HBO series. Um, you know, I think he's in, I haven't seen Deadwood, but I know he's in Deadwood. Um, yeah. He's just, he's just great, man. I'm a huge, he, it sucks that he's gone. He, he was a, a legend. Yeah. I, every time, every scene that he was in, it was just like, I don't even know that that's he's like uh like the anti-hero like the deadpool of yeah. the the wire universe like he's not good but he's not bad and it's just like I was just like you know I wonder if they'll give him like his own show and then like I see the rest of the wire and I'm like <laughs> no no why did this happen I know and- it's the, the the when they you know when they're showing him in the morgue when they show Omar in the morgue and they put like the wrong name tag on him it's like yeah. that's how easily a legend can just be forgotten, right? Yeah, man. That that the the amount of detail that that show has is like if you're not paying attention for even a second, you're going to miss you're going to miss a lot. Yeah. And no show does anything like they did. Like they don't have any exposition. Their exposition is woven into like their rising action. You really have to pay attention to to the characters and stuff. Once I got you used to like all the characters and and you know knew all the relationships and stuff that's when everything started to click it took like a few episodes in the first season but um yeah the first the first couple episodes are so tough because they just dump all the characters like right onto you immediately it's like overwhelming almost yeah yeah 
Uh, that is kind of similar how I felt about uh, the first season of Daredevil, like uh, first few episodes of oh, that yep, season yep. that were kind of were like overwhelming. And then once it got into it, once you you figured out who everybody was and like, you know, what they're doing, that's when the show started getting good. To me, those are my two favorite. Uh, I'd say like Daredevil and, and The Wire. And I used to I used to be a big fan of The Flash, but I mean, recent seasons have just sucked and <laughs> I can't even compare it in like you can't even mutter it in the same sentence yeah no for like like the the wire is like in that elite tier you know that top tier that like the, you know obviously you get a few people who are like yeah i wasn't a big fan like i still thought it was good i was just like you know i don't feel the same about it as i mm-hmm. do another show like obviously all this stuff is personal preference but like when you you know consensus that's like in that upper echelon of those tv shows that like everyone needs to watch at some point in their life yeah yeah that's i've i don't know that's a consensus number one hbo show it's between sure. that and the, the sopranos I would yeah say. yeah and all right so as an italian i'm like obligated to watch the sopranos and i started watching it and i just couldn't get into it i'm gonna have to make another attempt to do it after watching the wire uh but i don't know I don't know. People people say like, oh, you should watch The Sopranos. You're Italian and you haven't watched The Sopranos. <laughs> Drew Drew Way like kind of made fun. He didn't make fun of me. He just like he was just like, wow, an Italian from New Jersey that hasn't seen The Sopranos. That must Drew's, be rare. Drew's such a jackass sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him though. He's great. He's the man. <laughs> Drew's, Drew's good people. Yeah. Um. And then um. And also in the wire, I guess I had sort of a a nice like. I like Marlo Stanfield because of his, like the actor that plays him, Jamie Hector. Yeah. Jamie Hector. Yeah. He, I'm a big halo fan and uh, he voices Emil in one of the halo games. Uh, he's like halo reach. Yeah. Halo oh, reach. Does he really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Jamie Hector voices Emil in halo reach. And oh. um, I love that Spartan. Like um, he's like of like noble team. He's probably like my favorite aside from the main guy you play as noble six. And uh, yeah, there's my Halo fandom. Me and uh, Babe Chessy talk about that all the time. <laughs> I did not know that. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, like contemplating whether I should watch more of Jamie Hector's stuff too. He hasn't had like um, anything new-ish come out. Yeah, that's that's one of the other crazy things from the show is like there are there are so many actors that you know are more prominent now i guess that or that yeah, you just, you I just, just see around in in everything you know what i mean like yeah you know wendell pierce who plays bunk he's in like everything i see that guy in something once a year i feel like um <laughs> you know even you know like michael b jordan's in the first yeah show, yeah like, when i saw him first season i was surprised i was like damn he was really young yeah and, and i like, mean like the guy who plays little fingers in it like you got you know uh the guy who plays carchetti uh aiden gillian he's he's like the greatest scumbag act- actor ever like every every role that guy plays he's just playing the worst person um but like you just see it like they pop up all, like the guy even the guy who plays Rawls uh like you see him I see him in a show or a movie every year you know like uh-huh. all these guys they're just everywhere yeah all right yeah basically in conclusion the wire is a great show and if Facts. you're listening to the podcast you should watch that show give it a chance it's on HBO Max five seasons uh, it might take a little time to get into it, but if you're into like police shows, crime shows, 
uh, drug trafficking shows like Power. That's probably this is probably a show for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Brandon. Thanks for uh, hopping on with me. You have anything else to add on before we wrap it up? No, no. I'm. I really appreciate you having me on. I I can't say enough. Thank you. It's always always you know feels good when people you know search out to have have me on. It's still surreal um, considering like I was the person asking others to come on my podcast like way back in the day. So it's, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm really grateful that people, you know, that you thought of me and had me on. It's, it's really, you know, greatly appreciated. Of course. You're one of the biggest uh, Rangers Twitter personalities. Everyone loves you. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting old. Um, it's time to pass the torch to the younger generation. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for hopping on. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Stay tuned for more New York Rangers info by visiting boysandblue94.com and our Instagram at theboysandblue94. See you all next time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.